Folks, me and the family are here in Phoenix, Arizona. We've got a great house. We've got a great spot. We're kind of in between Phoenix and Scottsdale. It's not exactly downtown, but we really like it. We've got some space. The kids are really enjoying it. Tanya, if you go to her Instagram, she's saying, oh, look at all the cactuses around. You know, we've seen everything up. They've never seen something like this. Um, and so remember, uh, my, my family is from Eastern Europe. And so uh, for them, desert and cactus and mountains like this is something that's absolutely spectacular. So we're out here for America Fest, and we want you to come for America Fest. So it's go to amfest.com, amfest.com. Use promo code POSO, all caps, P-O-S-O, for up to 25% off. And remember, remember, years from now, you will be telling people, you know what? I was at the very first America Fest. I was there the day the doors opened at the very first America Fest. You do not want to miss this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. Today's top stories powered by Turning Point USA, Ghislaine Maxwell, to call 35 witnesses in her defense. Next, Facebook has admitted in court that fact checks are really just opinions. Interesting. Next, EA Games has suspended Kyle Rittenhouse's online account for, get this, using his own name. And finally, a piece out of Waukesha, a human interest piece, Waukesha feels abandoned after the tragic parade attack. All of this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. So the Ghislaine Maxwell case is on a pause right now due to, we're told, a scheduling conflict by the judge over here. Okay, interesting. Never seen a federal case do that. But of course, in the Ghislaine Maxwell case, it seems like all the rules are just a little bit different than they are for everybody else. So the case doesn't start up again until Thursday, at which point the defense is going to begin their side of things. And we know that the federal prosecutors have already ended their case. They have rested. They did not call any of the major names from the Epstein Black Book. They did not call any of the names from Ghislaine Maxwell's Little Black Book. In fact, there was an agreement between the federal prosecutors and Ghislaine Maxwell's defense team to not make available to the public any of the names from Ghislaine Maxwell's Little Black Book. But of course, you know, totally normal, totally normal. Well, court papers reveal that the Britain's defense, she is British, of course, Ghislaine Maxwell, may call up to 35 witnesses in her New York sex trafficking trial. However, she is unlikely to testify herself. Now, it makes sense she's not going to testify herself because if she did, you know what those prosecutors are going to do. Because even though this group of prosecutors is inexperienced, completely inept, and is being run by the hand-picked successor of James Comey, his own daughter, who's going to be there leading the prosecution, we know what's really going on on here. This is not an investigation. This is a cleanup operation. It's a cover-up. They want to put her away. Epstein's already off the table, and then they don't want to ever talk about this again. That's why we're not getting that information. The lawyers are saying that those 35 witnesses are going to be heard in just two to three days. Two to three days for 35 people. That's more than 10 a day. Right. Obviously. So you're how much time are we actually going to get with one of these witnesses? Remember, when we went through the Rittenhouse case, you would have witnesses that would go multiple days, right? One witness, you'd have the direct questioning, then the cross, then a redirect. You would go again and again and again with these same witnesses over and over. So the real question remains, what is actually going on here? Why are we not hearing some of this stuff? So one witness, 
actually a victim of Epstein who did not come up and testify is the sister of Annie Farmer. Now, Annie Farmer did testify on Friday, and of course, we hold her as a hero because she is someone who decided that she doesn't want to be a victim anymore, that she is going to come forward and reclaim her status, uh, take her voice back, take her power back, and we absolutely do uphold her for doing that. Now, her sister, Maria Farmer, who was also a victim of Epstein and Maxwell, has been doing a lot of media over the past few years, has been doing a lot of media. So we're going to listen to something that she said just recently, a couple of years ago, about this situation and some of the things that she saw, specifically Ghislaine Maxwell being involved in. Take a listen. Did you see young women coming into the house? Yes. I saw many, 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 many. All day long? All day long. I saw Ghislaine going to get the women. Um, she went to places like Central Park. I was with her a couple times in the car. She would say, stop the car, and she would dash out and get a child. What did she say she was doing when she did this? Getting Victoria's Secret models. Farmer found Epstein's behavior mysterious. One day I said to Jeffrey, what goes on in this house? Like, why are you always upstairs? And he said, I'll show you. And so he took me up there in the elevator, and we went, he showed me all of Ghislaine's quarters. She had her own suite in the house. Oh, she had a whole floor. Ultimately, Farmer says, Epstein led her to his bathroom. And there was a marble, like, altar thing over here. And he said that's where he gets his massages. Epstein told her the whole house was wired with pinhole cameras and took her into the media room where they were monitored. I looked on the cameras and I saw toilet, toilet, bed, bed, toilet, bed. I'm like, I am never going to use the restroom here and I'm never going to sleep here. Was there videotape? Oh, yeah, it was all video all the time, yeah. And, and I asked him one time, what do you do with this? And he said, I keep it. I keep everything in my safe. So the question on everyone's mind, was Ghislaine Maxwell, as Sansone put it, was she the, you know, they, they basically said, Epstein is the spider and she is the web. So she spun the web, trapped the girls, recruited the girls, brought them in, and then Epstein was the spider. So the question is, will the defense team with these 35 witnesses be able to show that she herself was some kind of victim. We, of course, that's probably going to be their narrative in this, that she was also a victim, that she was potentially being blackmailed by Epstein, that she should be looked at the same as any of these other girls in this situation. Time will tell. But honestly, I've said this before and I've said it again. The real question for the American people, for the public, for the public of the entire Western world, what was going on in those black books? Who is on the 20,000 images that were recovered and then archived away somewhere deep within the recesses of the FBI. Will we ever know? Well, Facebook is out today, and everybody loves Facebook, right? Who wouldn't love Facebook? The place where they decide what you're allowed to say, what causes you're allowed to support, who you're allowed to support, what memes you're allowed to post. And of course, you're allowed to have a vigorous, free expression, free discussion, free dialogue. That's what Facebook is all about. That's what social media is all about. And God bless our tech overlords, our great oligarchs there in the storied halls of Silicon Valley sipping their mimosas, eating their avocado toast squares. Yes, we love them. We love all praise to our new tech oligarchs, <laughs> right? Well, who, if you haven't been fact-checked at this point on Facebook or Instagram, which is, of course, owned and controlled by Facebook, 
If you haven't been fact-checked on there once, are you even trying at this point? Folks, you need to do a little bit harder. That's why it's time to man the lifeboats. Go and establish your presence on Getter, G-E-T-T-R dot com. Go to Getter today. I've already established my presence there. I know that I'll be safe when that band hammer swings for me and for my family. Are you going to be safe? Are you prepared? Are you ready for when Zuckerberg, for when Dorsey's, well, the new minions that have kicked out Dorsey and now taken over the roost, they now rule the roost at Twitter. The Wokies have taken over. Get your lifeboat ready. Get down, batten down the hatches. It's time to go together because the seas are about to get rough. But let's get into the story. So Facebook has now said in court that fact checks are just opinions. What does this mean? The bombshell, this is out of Breitbart, Alan Bukhari, the great Alan Bukhari wrote this. The bombshell emerged from Facebook's court battle with John Stossel, who is suing the company for defamation over its decision to add fact-checked labels to the libertarian pundit's videos about climate change. Beyond the threshold 230 problem, the complaint also fails to state a claim for defamation. For one, Stossel fails to plead facts establishing that Meta acted with actual malice. Remember, they're called Meta now which, as a public figure, he must. For another, Stossel's claims focus on the fact-check articles written by Climate Feedback. So Climate Feedback, what Facebook does, is they have these third-party organizations that they hand off a little bit of the keys to the kingdom to, so that way they can get around the Section 230 problem where they say, no, we're not the ones doing the censorship. We have an independent army of censors, of commissars, who go through and decide what speech you, the rabble, the peasantry, are saying that you shouldn't be allowed to be saying. They go through and strike you down, and then Facebook can say, whoa, 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 this wasn't us. No, no, no. This was the climate commissars. So the climate commissars, the climate feedback, not the labels affixed through the, the Facebook platform. The labels themselves are neither false nor defamatory. To the contrary, they constitute protected opinion. Facebook asserts that Stossel needs to attribute these web pages to Meta because they're outsourcing of censorship, but they are distancing themselves from this by calling their fact checks opinion. Do you understand what's going on? Listen to Mark Zuckerberg. He gave this huge impassioned defense of free expression last year at Georgetown. Take a listen to this guy. We're at another crossroads. We can either continue to stand for free expression, understanding its messiness, but believing that the long journey towards greater progress requires confronting ideas that challenge us. Or we can decide that the cost is simply too great. And I'm here today because I believe that we must continue to stand for free expression. So it's very clear what's going on here. They have now decided that their fact checks are written edict and to claim that their fact checks are actually opinion, right? You're going to hear, by the way, a lot of conservative pundits say, oh, so it's not a fact check. So it's not really a fact check. There's a double standard. Of course, there's a double standard. Have you been paying attention to anything for the last five years? Ever since the events of 2016, the tech oligarchs have decided to crack down. They realized that because of the populist uprising of 2016 was driven primarily by social media and the ability of decentralized distribution networks to be able to get that message across to everyone, that using social media was the way that all of those victories throughout 2016 and beyond happened. The way they decided to roll it back was to crack down on social media. They essentially, by declaring this an opinion, they are saying we are not bound by law. We are not bound by 230. We are not bound by defamation law. We can do as we please, as we see fit. Essentially, what Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg are doing here, they are declaring themselves sovereign. 
They are declaring themselves to have sovereignty over your freedom of speech vis-a-vis their platforms. Now, it's very simple what's going on here. I think everybody under 40 understands that social media is the public square of our time. This is the place where people meet, where ideas are discussed, where people are able to connect and then move forward. Right, the Founding Fathers, the Revolution of 1776, John Adams once said this. He said the revolution wasn't the war. The war was a symptom of the revolution. The revolution took place first in the hearts and minds of men. This was pamphlets. This, this was information that was spread throughout taverns, throughout inns, throughout public meeting halls. Well, guess what? Those public meeting halls of today is social media, and that is why they are all cracking down on this, because they have the ability to do so through the financialization and through their ties with big government. Understand the fight we are in for freedom of speech and for our own freedoms and liberties. So EA Games, right? This is another one of these online platforms where millions and millions of people play video games every day. They use to play uh, online games. You can even have your profile up so that you can track your, your points, your scores, your awards, um, you know, things you've unlocked throughout across multiple games. Here's an interesting thing that just came down. Kyle Rittenhouse, who we interviewed on this program, uh, who we at Human Events Daily were someone who we really carried the torch for this guy because we weren't doing it in necessarily just because we wanted to support Kyle Rittenhouse but because we wanted to support the truth, the truth about what happened in that case, the truth about what happened that night in Kenosha, and the truth about what happened throughout all the entire summer of rage of 2020. The one the media does not want you to talk about, the regime does not want you to discuss this. When's the last time you even heard anybody in mainstream media, in corporate media, mention the riots of 2020. They, they act as if it didn't happen. They'll talk about the pandemic, but they won't talk about the massive rise in homicides across our country, which, by the way, is getting higher this year than it even was during 2020. And they won't talk about the riots of 2020. Now, you could call them the BLM riots, the BLM Antifa riots, the George Floyd riots. You can call them um, the defund the police riots. But that's clearly what is going on here. Our cities are in free fall. But let's get back to this. So EA Games, because of the one person who was involved in all this, who had to take steps to defend himself using his right to self-defense and his Second Amendment in order to do so, he wrote, when he signed up for EA Games, he wrote, they said, what's your name, right? He wrote, Kyle Rittenhouse. They said, this name breaks our positive play charter because you may have used words or phrases that harm others or negatively disrupt the game. Here's the violations we see. Steam PC, inappropriate reference, violence, terror, and tragic events, username Kyle Rittenhouse. So understand this, by the way, right? These games, like, like, like Call of Duty, like all the others, they're all first-person shooters. They're war games. You can go kill people. You can shoot people. You can do anything else you can do in a video game. But Kyle Rittenhouse can't even use his own physical individual name that his parents gave him at birth because his name itself has been declared a form, essentially, of terrorism. That's what it says right here, violence, terror, and tragic events. So for him to use his name, he has been declared a terrorist, even though, even though he was fully exonerated. So understand where we're going with this as a country and as a world. What's the next big thing everyone's talking about? Transhumanism, the Zuckerverse, the metaverse. What happens when these types of people 
are in control of your self-imposed virtual reality itself. As the outside world is collapsing, if you're living in one of these cities that's completely collapsing to crime, to drugs, to avarice, to violence, smash and grabs, I think they keep calling it. So you're gonna plug into the metaverse and Mark Zuckerberg's gonna be in control. Take a listen. Imagine you put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. It has parts of your physical home recreated virtually. It has things that are only possible virtually. And it has an incredibly inspiring view of whatever you find most beautiful. Hey, are you coming? Yeah, just got to find something to wear. So they're in control of reality. But then if they decide to label you, you personally, not because of anything that an outside independent judicial body, you know, like a jury, the U.S. court system, the District Court of Kenosha, Judge Schrader. It doesn't matter to them because as we just talked about in the last segment, who has sovereignty? Not the justice system, not the government, not our society. They have power. They have full and total control, full and total autonomy over you, over your actions, over your ability to even connect with others in the modern space. So understand where we're going with all of these things. You are no longer, be, and of course, this is going to be transferred over to uh, what? Uber, to Uber Eats, PayPal, Venmo, all the payment processors, Square. We've seen this again and again and again. GoFundMe. You are not going to be able to participate in the modern world if they deem you problematic, if they label you, if they otherize you, if they atomize you. And that's exactly what they want to do. They want you to be disconnected from anything else that you could possibly use in the normal world because of your actions and your statements. And they want it to be an example to others. And this is why populists and conservatives need to get their act together when it comes to big tech. Now, look, you want to continue supporting Human Events Daily, continue to support the program. By the way, support yourselves, support your local community. Go to MyPillow.com, use promo code POSO. You got the towels, you got the sheets, you got the toppers, you got the pillows, of course, the bed pillows, which are on sale right now, the dog pillows. Do not forget about Doggo. And one thing that my wife and I are doing, we've actually ordered some extra stuff from there. We're going to be using that to donate to our local parish so they can give it away to needy, needy people in the community, right? And we've got the Bible pillows. That's a great way. There's a whole set of the Bible pillows. You can pass those stories on, our traditions on to our children. This is how you keep tradition alive. And thank you so much to MyPillow for making this available, making it available to the Human Events Daily audience. You go to MyPillow.com, use promo code POSO. By the way, I'm told, I'm told that as of today, what is it, December 14th, that you still have time to get your order in and it will arrive before Christmas. But we're getting a little bit close to the wire on that because we know that Secretary Buttigieg and the supply chain issues are all out there. But let's get into this next story, because we're going to go back to Waukesha, because as far as I can tell, Human Events Daily is the only program in America, probably in the entire Western world, that is still talking about the events of Waukesha. But at least the New York Post has gone in, and they've done an incredible, really moving, and I highly encourage everyone, go to NewYorkPost.com, read this by Dana Kennedy. And it's a human interest piece where they go in and they've interviewed people who were affected by the Waukesha massacre. The headline is, not fitting the narrative. Waukesha feels abandoned after tragic parade attack. It starts, for her whole life, 67-year-old Sharon Millard was so shy, she used to ask her identical twin 
to go on dates in her place in high school. But ever since November 21st, when Daryl Brooks allegedly plowed into dozens of people at the Waukesha Christmas Parade, killing six people, including an eight-year-old boy, and injuring up to 60 others, Millard has felt compelled to speak about the atrocity she witnessed. One of the peoples killed was Millard's fellow dancing granny, 79-year-old Virginia Ginny Sorensen, who was tossed up in the air like a ragdoll by Brooks's SUV. No one ever saw him calling, Millard told the Post. He was going so fast. All I knew is I saw Ginny fly up in the air and land in front of me. I saw her curled up and blood was coming out of her like a river. I was standing in blood. This is sick stuff, folks. This happened at Christmas. And the corporate press, the regime, doesn't even want to talk about this. Local media just did a package on this as well. So go listen to how it's not only affected the victims, but now it's having secondary effects on the community itself. Listen to this. A complete opposite from the day of the parade. We actually have one of our best Sundays ever because of the parade. Brandon was bartending that day when he stepped out to get some fresh air. Next thing I know, I see this car like exponentially moving at a faster rate. And then I see one of the dancing grannies fly off of his car. And I just held this lady I don't even know in my arms while she like was just bleeding out on my hands. And going back to Facebook, Again, we seem to can't not be able to get away from Facebook today. Daryl Brooks, on his Facebook page, under his handle, MathBoyFly, had posts that mysteriously disappeared after the murders, after the massacre. They showed that he praised Hitler, he backed Black Lives Matter, and he called for violence against white people. Specifically talked about knocking out old white people. And you can see that video. You can see him zigzagging through that crowd, the same way that we saw in the vehicular attacks on Christmas markets in 2016 in Europe. We know why corporate media is not talking about this. We know why the regime isn't talking about this. They want you in a state of anarcho-tyranny. People can do this in the streets, but you need to wear your mask while you're on an airplane and between bites. Well, that's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. So I want to thank you for supporting us. Continue to support this podcast, support the show. Leave us your five-star review. That actually really helps us out. And remember, be the influence agent. Our motto to you, be good, be brief, be gone. That's why we do the show. It's 25 minutes. We pack it all in. We give you analysis. We give you the commentary, and then you're done. And you can go about the rest of it. It's not one hour. It's not two hours. It's not three hours. It's 25 minutes. Where are you going to find that anywhere else? And we also do, of course, our famous moment of history every day. We work really hard to find ones that are relevant to everybody. Today, I wanted to talk about the Russian Revolution of 1905, December 1905. That is when this thing was going down. This was the original communist revolution. Thousands of workers, proletariat, and communists were uprising in Russia, in Moscow. Now, this was put down, but the question is, what did they learn and why weren't they stopped? Ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore. 